You know, again, it, it's humbling to be here uh, on, on staff and to be a, a professor here. That, I never thought those words would be anywhere connected with my name because uh, uh, I know me better than, than, than you know me. I know me better than, than even my wife knows me. I don't know about that. Uh, but uh, I, I know who I am, and I know, golly, I, I, I don't deserve this. And, and, I, and I was telling uh, Ashmore earlier, said, talking about how I grew up in Hendersonville and went to Flat Rock, Element, or Flat Rock uh, Middle School, then was junior high. And I remember I uh, had this teacher that she was so gracious to me and so good to me, but I was just so so ADHD. I, I still have ADHD. And so uh, she asked me a few years after uh, I graduated, she said, what are you doing now? And I said, I'm, I'm a preacher. And she goes, no, seriously, what are you doing now? And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I, I guess I was. I was one of those kids that teachers talked about in the, in the, in the teacher's lounge. Don't get him. You don't want the gray kid, okay? Uh, but, you know, as I've grown up, there's things in my life that God has done to, to humble me. Because there's times where I do, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm a professor. I'm a professor at Fruitland now. Or I, I, I get to pastor this church. Or I get to be married to, to this beautiful woman. And so God sometimes has to cut my knees out to help me realize just how, how needful of him and how desperate for him I am. Uh, we were in the Smokies uh, vacation a few years ago. And uh, I, I started losing some weight. I was getting back down to my fighting weight, uh, or my football weight. Uh, and, and I was really kind of, you know, proud of myself. And as we were leaving, we were camping, which I don't do a whole lot of. But we were camping, and we had to go to make a Walmart run. And so we were at Walmart, and uh, we had all this, these groceries. And I was the one carrying the bags of, of drinks. Now, before we went to Walmart, you need to know this. Um, I, I put on a pair of jeans that... I used to fit in very well, but I, with my weight loss, I, 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 it was a little bit loose. And I said, I don't need a belt. Some of y'all know where this is going. So I was walking down the main aisle of the parking lot at Walmart, leaving the store, going to our car. My whole family was behind me, my son, my wife, my daughter, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. They were carrying it, and I was about probably 15, 20 paces ahead of them, carrying these bags of, of, of drinks, and, and I started to feel the pants slip. And I went, oh, my goodness. And you know what I should have done is put the bags down, hitch them up, and walk on. I've now realized why, why a lot of old men, they hitch them up and walk around there. Because yeah, that, that little fat part right there that holds them up a little bit, but I didn't you know, have that as much. And so I should have just hitched them up a little bit, but I didn't. So what I did is try to stick my fanny out. You know, trying to catch them, that didn't work. I was about 20 steps to the van, and they just went to the ground. God, thank you for letting me remember to put on at least boxers that day. Uh, it didn't really look that bad, I guess. But the only thing I could think of when they hit the ground was that song from American Idol a few years ago, Pants on the Ground, Pants on the Ground, you know. I was like, get them off the ground, you know? And so I, I, I didn't even let go of the bags. I, bags and all, hitched them back up. And so my family's back there going, ah, just dying laughing at me. And I'm just, I was like, thank you for your support. And then I was like, well, maybe nobody saw. 
there was this big old SUV full of people, full of family, uh, somebody I didn't even know. And the, and the guy driving it, obviously, was the father of this family. And he's doubled over, and he rolls down his window, and he goes, Dude, I'm sorry, man, but that's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and his kid's in the back going, ah! And so, you know, sometimes God has to do stuff to, to help us realize we are not all that. We're not, we're not as big and bad and awesome as we think we are. When you look in the lives of the heroes of faith and the characters in the Word of God, probably with a person that most people say I connect with or I, I know exactly how he, 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 he goes and I know how he's thinking and I, and I connect with this character. It's the one and only, anybody have a guess who it is? Peter. Peter. Peter is probably one of those guys that you look at in his life and say, I've seen myself in him. But he's also one of those guys that you look at and go, dude, what are you thinking? What are you, what, why, why are you doing this? Why, are you, why did you say that? If you have a copy of God's Word, and I hope that you do this morning, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is in the Word of God a place that we see the, the rise and the fall and the rise again of one of God's preachers. Peter, his life was on a roller coaster of ups and downs, of highs and lows, of pride and in humility. And when we look at life of Peter throughout the Word of God, he's spoken about probably more than any other apostle. Peter is, is the one who speaks the most often of all the disciples. You realize that? He, of all the people that the Word of God quotes as an apostle in, in the stories of the Gospels, it's Peter who's talking. He opens his mouth a lot, usually to switch the feet that's in it, because he always seems to be putting his, his foot in his mouth. He always seems to be saying something and writing, a, a, as they used to say, writing a check with his mouth that his life cannot cash. Peter's the one that speaks most often. Jesus is the one who addresses him more than any other disciple. And Jesus reprimands or reproves him more than any other disciple. Peter, here in this copy of the Word of God in this gospel in John chapter 13, we have here the story of Peter's fall and rise. Won't you look with me in John chapter 13? And we're going to start in verse 33 in the Word of God. John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this, quoting Jesus and telling what Jesus said to his disciples in the, uh, not before he was to be crucified. Jesus says, little children, yet a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I, why, why can't I not follow you now? What are you talking about? Bold. Why can't I follow you now, Lord? Why? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you, will you 
lay down your life for me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. God, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word. Open our hearts that we may receive it. We have not give us what we know, not teach us what we are, not God. Make us by the power of your Holy Spirit using your word, the holy word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This rise and fall and rise again of Peter, you see in several sta- different stages of his life. The first thing I want you to see is that as he began, Peter began his walk with Christ pretty well. He, he, he became, uh, he, he became a, a believer and he began correctly as he started walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke tells us in his gospel in chapter 5, verse 8, that the the disciples have been fishing all night, and they're worn out, and they hadn't caught anything. And Jesus says, do it again. <laughs> Peter's like, you're not a fisherman. You, 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 you're a carpenter, if, even if he knew what Jesus did where he was born. But he said, you, you, we're fishermen. Leave the fishing up to us. And Jesus said, do it. And they do it, and they had to call in the other boats to help bring in the catch. And, and it's amazing what, what Peter says when he realizes how awesome Jesus is. He is blown away about just the word he said to him, go and, and fish, and all this great amount of fish come in. And, and you catch fish at night, not in the morning, Jesus, not when you tell us, but he sees this miracle happen. And look, listen to what Peter responds. He, he falls down at, at Jesus' knees, and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Our world would say that's not how you begin, but for a believer, for a follower of Christ, that's exactly where we begin. We begin correctly on our knees, on our face before God, humble before him. This this Jesus, I may not be able to put my whole mind wrapped around who he is, but he is someone awesome. He is someone who can tell nature what to do and goes beyond nature and does something miraculous. What was Peter's attitude was he was in awe of Jesus. He was in awe of God, and that's where we've got to be, and that's where we've got to begin, that's where we've got to stay until the very, very end. How many times do we go through our days and we forget how awesome our God is? How are we so filled with our own selves and filled with our own schedule that we don't look up to the stars and see, as the psalmist does, that your heavens declare your glory. That we see a big old oak tree and how massive and how huge it is. And say, God, you are awesome. But from a little acorn, you made this huge, huge tree. We even look in our own lives and realize that our lives are the way that they are. Our physical lives are the way they are because God has worked and still works in our lives to sustain us and to make us. Keep on going, giving us breath, giving us blood, giving us heart to pump through. Peter began correctly because he began with humility and he began with awe. But I also want you to see that when we forget how awesome God is and when we lose our awe of God, we will not continue correctly. Secondly, Peter, in his life, in his story, he became comfortable. He became comfortable. He, he, he walked around Jesus and talked with Jesus and saw Jesus do absolutely miraculous, amazing things. I mean, blind people can see again. Deaf people can hear again or hear for the first time. 
Lame people can walk and dead people rise from, the, from their coffins. You know, I've done a lot of preachers, but I've never preached a funeral such a way that Jesus did that the dead raise up. But you imagine how, how you know, you want Jesus to come to your funeral. Peter saw all of that, and he got comfortable with it. It just became common. A friend of mine has a big old oak tree outside of his house, and one reason why they bought the house they did is because of that big old oak tree. And he said, I'd go out there, and I'd just look at that oak, and I'd just be amazed at this huge oak tree. He goes, but it's amazing how, t- how many days I went past that oak tree, and I would look at it, but over time I forgot how amazing that thing was, and it just became common to me. Until it started to get sick and things had to be cut off and eventually had to get cut down. You know, we go by things all the time and we forget the majesty and the grandeur. How many times we do that with God? We get way too comfortable with God and Peter became way too comfortable with God. He lost his awe. He became more confident in himself as he grew in leadership. I mean, he had some natural leadership ability. I mean, he had charisma. He, had, he was able to... To, to step up and talk where other disciples would kind of just, you know, shirk back into the, into the background. But he stepped up and he said, this is, this is true and this is what's right and this is what we need to do. And even to the point in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, who do people say that I am? Peter stood right up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. There's nothing wrong with that. He had leadership ability. He, he, he wasn't at all afraid to speak up. But at the same time, Jesus said, told, started telling his disciples what was going to happen to him. He was going to die on the cross, and he said, I'm gonna, I get, we're going to Jerusalem, and we're, going, we're heading there. And he said that I'm going to be handed over to sinful man. And Peter stood up and said, no, that, never, Lord. And Jesus gave him some great encouragement, said some great things about him, just a few verses ahead of that, but this time he, stood and he looks Peter in the eye and he says, get behind me, Satan. Peter became confident, not just in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of, of, of Christ, excuse me, but he came confident in his own self. He got too comfortable. And Jesus rebuked him. But I also want you to see in this story of Peter that Peter boasted confidently. His comfort turned where he was beginning to boast things that he couldn't do his own. He thought he could. He wanted to. He desired it. He believed, I I have enough unction and enough gusto and enough uh, life in me and enough strength in my own self that I can do these things that I'm claiming that I want to do, which brings us to this passage. Not before Jesus is to be crucified. He's with his disciples, and Jesus is plainly telling them that where he's going to go, they can't follow And he gives them one of the most amazing commands. He says, a new command I give you, to love one another, not as you love one another like you want to be loved, but you love one another the way I have loved you. And this was a very humiliating love. Not humiliating a bad thing, but humiliating in the way I got to love somebody. I got to love you, and I got to love you, and I got to love you. I got to love my brothers and sisters in Christ the way Jesus loves me. That's humbling. Peter skipped right over that, and he wanted to get back to this discussion. Where where are you going, Lord? Where where are you going that we can't follow you? Jesus says to him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter just kind of just bows up and says, Lord, I want to follow you now. I'm I'm ready to go 
with you, and, and if my life is what it costs to go with you, I'm ready to lay down my life for you. Peter, do you really know what you're saying? Jesus in Luke's gospel tells Peter, says, I've prayed for you because Satan wants to sift you like wheat. I've prayed for you that you won't lose faith. Peter, still boasting, I, I, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to die with you. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go to the end. And Peter measured things from the perspective of his natural strength. He didn't listen to Jesus. What, what should have Peter done? I, I thought about this, and I've asked questions, and I've asked my questions, and I ask the Scripture questions. That's how I do Bible study. I just ask the Bible questions, and, and I don't know if Shree's ever heard me, but I'm sitting there going, sometimes I'll read the Scripture. What, what about this, and what about this? How, Peter, what should you have done? I, I, I think what he should have done is fall on his face again before Jesus and say, God, I'm a sinful man. I know I'm not able to back up with what I just said. So, yes, please pray for me. Pray that I will be faithful to you. Folks, I want to, I think one of the reasons why God gave me this message for this morning is because some of you are just now starting out in ministry. And we have heard story after story after story of people and men in ministry who have had to leave ministry because of something happening in their life, whether moral failure or uh, sexual inter- uh, 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 an interaction with somebody or, or money or something like that. But the bottom line of a lot of this stuff that's happened to our friends and, our, and people we've heard before is they get so prideful that they forget that they are under the still the same uh, holiness of Almighty God. Pride is one of the greatest things that we have to deal with in ministry. Because we have identified ourselves as the preacher, or as the pastor, or as the minister. We're on a whole different level. And I know we're accountable, and I know all of that stuff, but I want you to understand, just as our, our, our church members are to be accountable to one another, we are accountable to God, and we're accountable to each other, and we've got to make sure that pride is absolutely put in its place consistently because I believe that is what happens in a lot of people's lives, a lot of preachers' lives, a lot of ministers' lives who do even other things. It goes back to pride. And Peter is a, an example of this in his life. Jesus' warning to Peter in John chapter 13, verse 38 is, is this. He says, will you da- lay down your life? Are you truly capable of, in your power to do this? Will you lay down your life? Jesus gives them the warning, I tell you the truth, truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter boasted confidently. Right then and there, he sort of fell on his face and said, God, help me. Lord, help me. But he continued. Goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there, and, and, and one of the soldiers, they're arresting Jesus, is there, and, and, Jesus, uh, and Peter cuts off his ear. Some people say, well, he was a bad, he must have been bad at swordsmanship. Well, he was wearing a, probably a helmet at the time. He's probably going for his head, and it bounced off his head, his helmet, and slopped off his ear. But it's something happened when Jesus was arrested. 
that fear began to set in. And Peter became afraid. And he knew at that time that his gut-level ability to be able to back up, I will lay down my life for you, was gone. At least three people came up to Peter that evening, early morning. Aren't you one of his disciples? No, no, I'm, I'm not. Even one of the relatives of the, the man whose ear was cut off comes up to him. Aren't you one of the disciples? No. Another one comes, you're, you're, you're one of his disciples, and he curses. I don't know what he said, but he says, I don't know this man. Jesus told him earlier, I tell you, the rooster will not crow, where you will not have denied me three times. The next stage we come here is Peter bitterly was convicted. He was bitterly convicted, and God used a rooster. Think about this. God used a simple male chicken to ring the bell of conviction in the heart and the mind of Peter. He had stacked himself so high that he was able to do all this stuff that even is just a, 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 a run-of-the-mill yard bird toppled him over. Luke's gospel says that as soon as the rooster crows, he looks to Jesus, and Jesus looks to him, and they meet eyes. Whew, could you imagine? And I don't think it was, I told you so, Peter. It was that heart of just Peter. The Bible says that Peter goes off and he weeps bitterly. But I also want you to see that something wonderful happens here. If Peter holds out hope. He's not like Judas. He does not give up hope. He holds out hope and Peter makes it through that Friday, that Saturday, and that Sunday that beautiful Sunday morning, Mark's gospel says that the, the, the women go out to the tomb and they, they find it empty and the angel says, go and tell his disciples, listen to this, I love this, and Peter. The Lord goes before him. Can you imagine Father saying, all right, I'm sending you down. You're going to make these announcements to these women. Make sure you mentioned Peter. He grieved. He was sorry for his sin. He was sorry. He grieved. And I want you to see, fifth stage here, Peter was brilliantly called back to Christ. John 21 says that Jesus is on the banks of the Sea of Galilee. He's cooking breakfast for him and says that... Uh, they're out there fishing again. So you caught anything? Disciples go over to the right side. They cast their nets on the right side again. This huge, massive amount of fish comes into the boat. And it, it clicks. That's Jesus. I mean, Peter couldn't even wait to get to shore. He, he jumps in the water and swims to shore. They're having this discussion and Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? I wonder if it's three times that to let him know that these three times you, you, you betrayed me. It's covered. It's forgiven. He says to him, you're, you're going to be used. 
And, and, and he says that when you come to the end of your life, you're going to go to places you don't want to go, and you, you're going to be uh, t- taken to a place and talking about his death. But here's the awesome thing that we see in Peter's life is that Peter was brilliantly called back, and he was restored to Christ, and he became a humble man. He became, once again, one who was submissive to the, to, to the Spirit of God. And this last thing that you, I want you to see this morning is this, is that Peter had a beautiful completion. God used him in Acts chapter 2 to preach the word in so much that 3,000 people came to Christ. This was not on Peter's behalf. This was not on Peter's power. This was by the, the, the feeling and the work and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I can definitely tell when I preach in my power versus when God's power is working in me. And I have that anointing. God help us that every time we get up to preach that God gives us the power. We don't we don't try to bank on and try to preach with our own abilities. I don't have anything to say to you, but God does. We preach with the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people came to Christ that day, and Peter's life ended the way it began, with great humility. Tradition says that when Peter was getting put to death, they were going to crucify him, and he says, you're going to have to turn that cross a different way. I'm not worthy of being crucified the same way my Lord was. That's a totally different guy than when you hear, I'll I'll go to death, I'll lay down my life for you. Two totally different men. What was the key? He once again came under the awe of Almighty God. Let me give you some takeaways just to help you quickly. Three things, very quickly. How to keep pride in check. Number one, be consistently going back to your beginning. Be consistently going back to where you were when God first called you, when God first saved you. How humble and how broken and how spilled out before God you were. How you would quote and you would say, and maybe it wasn't maybe the same words that Peter said, Lord, I'm a sinful man or I'm a sinful woman. Maybe it's like Isaiah, Lord, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. Have mercy on me. Oh, woe is me, God. It's always important to always have that same attitude. We never get to the point where, folks, where we arrive. Preachers, we never get to the point where we have arrived where we don't need God to be blowing us away every single day. Always be in awe. Be careful not to lose your awe for God. If I can help you in any way, and I know, I know our schedules are busy, but listen, some of our people's schedules are just as busy as we are. I know our schedule is busy, but preachers, can I just give you an encouragement from what I have discovered? Don't just read the Bible and spend time in the Word to get a sermon or to get a message or to get a Bible study. Spend time with God every day in his word to have him blow you away. The best sermons we will preach are the sermons that we have been received by God. He has given to us, and we have been filled up to the overflow. And I'm just going to take my cup that's overflowing with the word of God and with the spirit of God and the power of God, what he's doing in my life. I'm going to pour it over into your cup. 
Folks, if we're not spending time in his word and we're not spending time with him daily, we will not just have a halfway filled cup or, or moderately filled cup. We will have empty cups. We won't be able to give anybody the word of God if we're not receiving it ourselves. Be careful not to lose your awe of God. Don't forget to look up. Don't forget to look beside you to how God has blessed you with your wives or your husbands, ladies, or your children. My kids humble me constantly because they love Jesus. And I know, I know that's not something that we've done that we can look back and say, look what we did. That's God. Be in awe of God. Don't lose your awe of God. And be committed to finish well. Be committed. I will protect my heart, or God will protect my heart. I will place my heart in him, and I will look to him for my confidence. I will look for him for my power. I will look for him for my my sustenance. I will look for him for my sufficiency. I will look to him for my joy. I will look to him for my awe. Nothing else. Finish well. God, help us do that. God, there's some here who know what it's like to be at the bottom. And yet how, God, you restore and you forgive. Thank you for that. But help us never forget where we came from. We are still needy before you. Even, even though we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, we, ha- we are seen as holy by you. We are justified in Jesus, but that doesn't mean that we ourselves have caused that. It's we are clothed in Jesus. We have nothing to do with it. Thank you so much for your righteousness. Thank you, God, for what you do because we can't do it. Father, let us never forget how great you are. Let us not forget what John Newton said. Two things I know. I'm a great sinner, but Christ is a great Savior. Thank you for that, Lord God. Help us to finish well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.